As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. and welcome to another episode of Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. We are winding down 2023. I cannot believe it's December 8th. First of all, it's like 60 degrees outside and there's no snow, which is really bizarre for us Minnesotans like Manny Lagos and I to be like out in like short sleeves. You could probably have the top down on your convertible today if it doesn't rain. Um, But yeah, it's December 8th. We're winding down 2023. Manny, how are you doing? You're in your home office today. Lucky you. You didn't have to make the trek up to NSC. And I thought maybe you were at your cabin or something if you got back up there. No, no, I've been traveling quite a bit um, overseas last week. And, uh, you know, we had some meetings this week along with the Academy kids uh, out in Arizona. So um, just uh, working from home today after a couple of weeks of travel. Busy, busy time. I have to say, is that wallpaper on your wall? Is that from your wife's collection? Uh, all, all wallpaper in a house would be for my wife, which is love you know, it. Adds a little extra style and taste to anything I do. So yeah, exactly. She she makes you look good with that wallpaper in there. I like it. Thank um, you. hey, I want to talk a little bit about MLS Cup final in the playoffs before we get rocking into the Minnesota stuff. You just mentioned the Academy down in Phoenix this week, which is a huge bonus and and a and a kind of a testament to the strides that the Academy has been making. But MLS Cup and playoffs. I just want to go back to just the conference finals. I mean, goodness, if we went all the way back, we'd have a lot of games to talk about, plus a long break in there with the um, international window. But what did you make of the Western and the Eastern Conference? We'll start with the East, just because that was a little bit earlier in the day. Cincinnati, Columbus, did that play out like you thought it would? Obviously, Columbus ending up with a 3-2 win, coming from behind on the road, Wilfred Nancy, Pat Noonan. I mean, a whole lot of stuff in this in this rivalry. What did you make of that one? Uh, I, I thought it was awesome. You know, I, I think it goes down in the folklore history of one of the greatest playoff games uh, ever, particularly because you just mentioned it. It was a Ohio rivalry. This is like their big rivalry. Um, and the game played out in an amazing way. Certainly uh, the final last year has to go down in folklore history. And then uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up our 4-0 comeback to 5-4 when I played for San Jose Earthquakes over Allegheny. Yep. I think is up there is probably one of the greatest playoff games of all time. So um, I, I just thought it had everything. I thought it had uh, the drama where Cincinnati could have gone up three, nothing. That game would have been done to um, on the local level here. Christian Ramirez was the impact difference. He subbed in, uh, he was ready and hungry to make a difference and he was involved in all three goals. So um, I, I thought it was just great, great final for the league. Outstanding. I'm sorry. Semi-final. It was just everything you could ask for. And uh as a as a fan, um, I just thought it was an awesome game. 
Well, and, you know, Kevin Molino making an appearance as well. And kudos to him after coming back from a couple tough years with a lot of injuries and whatnot. But I want to ask you about Christian Ramirez, because how has he changed as a player? I mean, you had him here with Minnesota before Minnesota became MLS. And then he was here for a couple of years and fantastic, scored goals, but it was just time to move on. And I can't, I don't think he's the same player now that he was then. Maybe not from a skill set, but from a mental emotional capacity is sort of how he takes on his role and some of his interviews post game accepting of his role and how he can contribute to the team. If he's not starting, would you agree with that? Or do you think he's very much the same? Uh, I'm, you know, for the, I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> like okay, go for I, it. I, you know, Christian is somebody who, um, you know, we, we found and developed and have grown with and seen him grown. And I am not surprised at all by, his evolution in terms of dealing with adversity in terms of, of who he is both on and off the field. He's uh, somebody that's always uh, been a, a great player. And, and again, I think our fan base felt it. They knew uh, that we had somebody special and that somebody was really kind of connecting both on and off the field. And, you know, his um, ability to be a forward that scores while still really making an impact in terms of, um, moving the ball. Like I said, that third goal and the touch was really, to me, reminded people that he's such a great passer. You know, he's just not just a pure goal scorer. Um, and really, you know, he, he's embraced uh, over his career, being a starter, not being a starter, improving himself. So ultimately for me, um, you know, I, I think he has always shown, and he showed this club for many, many years and our fans, how special he was. Well, and it's interesting how you can, I mean, you know, those players that just find themselves in the right spot at the right time and don't give up on plays, you know, you can make a living making the near post run. You can make a living not giving up on the play, whether it doesn't matter how you score the goal, as long as you put yourself in the position to be there and it doesn't, it's not a wasted opportunity. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit of Christian Ramirez's game. And that's just, that's, that's a compliment because he is just always willing to finish the run, to make the run, to be in the right spot, to scrap for the opportunities. You just mentioned it, his passing and his, you know, ability to find those little pockets of space, that one-two combination play that he had. I think he had the secondary assist, might have been even in the previous game, which he also contributed to the goal in that one. I just think um, it was happy. It was fun to see him happy and, and you know, the birth of another child and now he's going to the final and uh, and kudos to to Wilfred Nazi. What do you make of him and what he's been able to do in year one with Columbus? Well, certainly, I think um, his his ability to really adapt all year. You know, they they at times weren't that great defensively, and they had to kind of make some tough roster decisions, and they kind of had to evolve. And then certainly, um, his embracing that they could actually get better by moving Zellerian out and really kind of elevating how they played and the style they played. I was so impressed. I thought it was an outstanding year for him. So. And then certainly, like I said, his ability to use Christian, because Christian for a while was a starter until Rossi came back. And I think that just shows uh, he allowed Christian not to miss a beat and embrace his new role. So and and Christian really reminds me of the, the, the McGuire kid at, at Orlando. You know, they, oh, might, yeah. they might struggle a little bit with their kind of pressing athleticism. But again, between their kind of touches and their selflessness in terms of the runs they make for the good of the team. Uh, they make an impact and it's, it's why they play and it's why Christian could be a huge X factor this uh, tomorrow for the final. What do you think about Cincinnati? What was their downfall in this game? They go up to nothing. I mean, was it as simple as missing a player like a Matt Miazga or Wobodo not being healthy or what is like, he didn't maybe have the depth to continue on for the 90 minutes. Whereas, you know, Columbus was able to make some subs. I mean, when you look at that game and you're watching it, what did you think maybe was the issue there? 
Um, I think there's the 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 pl- drama of the playoffs comes out, and coaching is tough, and players, and and deciding when to make subs, how to make sub, who's getting tired, who's actually kind of making the tide turn in terms of uh, who might pull out the win or not. So to me, um, you know, I I think they've done such a good job all year. What an amazing team! What an amazing story in terms of their um, turnaround and and really creating one of the better rosters in the league and and the best regular season team. Uh, this year so to me um, again that's why I love the playoffs and they put a lot of stress and a lot of of really hard decision making on both coaching staff but also players who are pushed mentally and physically uh, in stressful moments and and again that's why the drama happens so LAFC Houston Western Conference two teams that I mean not that you don't know every team very well but when they're in your conference and you see them a little more often what did you make of that matchup, Ben Olson's year um, with Houston, what he did there, how that game wrapped up LAFC, finding a way to get back to the final, which is difficult to get back to a final, let alone win another cup. But what did you make of the Western Conference one? Um, like the Eastern Conference semifinalists or finalists, um, I thought uh, both had great years in different ways uh, for Houston. Um, what a great turnaround. I mean, they won the Open Cup. You know, and they they really won the Open Cup. Really didn't didn't uh, have that much of a sweat against Miami in the final. Uh, and then they Ben Olsen and that that group has really created an identity and, and been successful. And and you know they really had some stresses against Kansas City, some drama, and certainly I felt like they deserved to be in the conference uh, finals. So it was it was a credit to him and their staff. It was a great job by them, and they they were really balanced offensively and defensively. Um, and did a good job, I think, of getting better throughout the year. Uh, for LAFC, it was a little bit different this year. I think they actually took a step back in terms of their kind of balanced play and, and domination. They weren't quite as, as I would say, um, uh, fearful to go out against and play. And in some sense, that's, that's more of a credit to them because this year they kind of found a way to win based on the fact that they weren't always great offensively or defensively. But they found some character. And again, that gives some credit to Steve Trundolo. Um, And then I think it's a lot easier when I think you have probably what I consider the most dangerous, best player in the league and Denny Boanga. Uh, he is probably the biggest difference maker in the league. And so uh, they certainly built around that theme. So I didn't le- think it always led to the best soccer, but I think it's led to them really deserving to be in this final uh, and play against Columbus. And to that point about goal scoring, it felt like to me that's sort of what Houston was lacking on the year at the end of the day. I mean, they had moved, you know, their DP forward Ferreira didn't really pan out. Then they, you know, rotated and eventually put Corey Baird up there, which he's not a bad forward, but he doesn't maybe have that same where like, you know, you he'll find a goal. When you need a goal, he'll find a goal, like Denny Bowanga, right? Whether he's stretching or whether he's running in behind, whatever it is that Bowanga does, like he just – you can, you know, if he's on the field, you have an opportunity to score. Whereas maybe Houston was lacking that a little bit and being able to finish some of those opportunities. How important is that to have a player that you know, like crunch time, big moments, whether in most of the time it's a number nine because they're in the more dangerous positions on the field, that you can just lean on that at every level. We can talk about it at national teams. The conversation continues with the men's national team about a, a number nine that you can lean on. So how different does that make the game or, or your team when you have that? Yeah, 
I think it makes a huge difference. At the same time, I think you got to be careful because one player is not the entire team. And I, I think I just mentioned that LAFC had to overcome their own challenges because sometimes Danny Boanga doesn't help the team balance in all honesty. You know, they have mm-hmm. to sometimes build it around getting him those one-on-one moments versus the flow of the game. And so I'm, I'm very cautious personally because I'm in this business, but also uh, Corey Baird had a great year and he really was part of their flow about how they created chances and scored a lot of goals throughout the year. So I'm not sure one pure goal score would help a team like Houston that really found a nice balance of offense and defense and, and a tempo that really unsettled a lot of teams that allowed wins. So for me, they just came up against a really good team in the semifinals, but had a great year and Benny Olsen had them going. Uh, I'm sure like us, they'll try to address where they need to improve and how they need to improve to get better. Uh, but again, I, I would probably be a little cautious if I said it's just they need a goal scorer to now become the team, uh, elevate themselves to the top, the top of the West. Well, in the conference semifinal, I did the Houston game and Ben Olsen flat out said, because in one of his previous press conferences, he said, everybody's got to be at their best. Every ha- Everybody has to show up to win this game. And that was for the semifinal. And then I asked him before that game, I said, well, what happens if you everybody doesn't show up? What hap- How do you navigate that? And he was like, well, you lose. He's <laughs> like, at this point in the season, that's just, that's the reality. Like if everyone doesn't show up, you don't have to have your best game, but everybody has to show up. Then you will lose at this level, at this stage in the season. I think Karaskia didn't have his greatest game in the Western Conference Final. And you can look, maybe Corey Baird missed a couple opportunities. Like they, Bossy, who had been so good for them all year. And and to Ben Olsen's point, that's what happened to them. Like everybody's got to show up in those moments, in those kinds of games. Otherwise, it's just a matter of fact, like you'll lose. You'll lose the game unless you get some weird penalty or a handball or something. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things about sports, playoffs. Playoffs are awesome. You know, we, we talk about it a lot. We talk about, you know, one of the strengths of, of our league versus a lot of leagues around the world. And it, it is just the elevation, the intensity, the tempo, the reality of, of the mistakes within that 90 minutes means so much more than any time throughout the year. And so the importance of both individually and collectively, mentally sharp, physically sharp, technically ready to take on the challenges of the day um, it's not easy and that's why it kind of plays out and it's kind of why I'm so excited for tomorrow you know I, I really do think you, you've got a great matchup tomorrow so preview that what what excites you the most about that matchup is it two differentiating two different styles going against each other you just said it maybe LAFC doesn't need the, as much of the ball this year as they have in years past Columbus Wilfred Nancy kind of has his way of going about things and Diego Rossi playing against his old team now that he's with Columbus. Keelina Vela, maybe their last game um, with LAFC. What excites you most about this matchup? Yeah, I think I I think there's a fascination where I, I think LA or I think Columbus is a little bit like LAFC was a couple of years ago. I, I think now they kind of have the offensive firepower. I think they have the better central midfielder in Morris and Nagby. I think that's probably the best combination in terms of controlling the tempo and the just the the game itself. Uh, whereas I felt that way about LFC when Vela was a little bit more in his prime and I felt like they were kind of just able to, to keep the ball and and really put put themselves on the front foot. This time now, I feel like LFC is much more like we're just solving how to figure out how to win a game. To your point, when we have Keelene in there, we can't be on the front foot as much. We might have to defend deeper and counterattack with Boanga. So I just love the elements of that. Um, and really, I think for LAFC, it is about can we stop Cucho? Can we stop Diego Rossi? Can we stop a late sub of Christian Ramirez coming into the game um, while finding a goal or two to see if we can see this out? And for Columbus, that's probably been their bigger weak spot of the year is just both 
defensively being consistent. Uh, they haven't had a lot of shutouts. They haven't figured out how to really get through a game uh, without the other team scoring. So uh, for me, as, as good as they are offensively, um, they've got some moments defensively this year. They haven't proved they maybe are, are worthy of MLS Cup champions. But tomorrow will be great. It'll be it'll be two great teams that I think, um, you know, in the last couple of years have, have won the championship. So Darlington-Nagby, what is it about this guy – like when you see him and what he can do on the field and oftentimes it goes unnoticed, but then you look at his stats, his possession, his passing, his positioning, and he's evolved as a player as well. I mean, he used to play on the wing. Now he's more, you know, he's been a holding mid or a central midfielder for the later stages of his career, but he seems to win wherever he goes. And I don't think that's coincidence, but when you see a player like that, what strikes you about him? Um, I would start as there's there's only a handful of players in the history of MLS that I would say could have played anywhere in the world for any team in the world. Um, I put Landon Donovan in that boat as well in terms of they truly at the time and place in their career were, were under maybe a long-term contract or their goal and family were here or frankly they felt like they're developing here better than going to Europe and so they chose not to. Uh, I put both of these players on that level that they could have played not only in Europe, but for any team in the world in Europe, and they would have done well. And I think a lot of that has to do with their athleticism, certainly, but even more importantly, their technical ability, their tactical ability, their decision-making, uh, how quickly they can decide how they want to keep moving the ball when space is closed and, and people close you down so quickly. Um, some of the best in the history of the league. Uh, and there's no doubt that composure, that calmness, along with that technical ability. Uh, Landon probably turned it to a little more offensive output, or Nagby really uh, uses it to, to allow the team to create the tempo they want, to keep the ball more than the other team, and then allow some more of his attackers to get in good space to attack. So it really is one of the better players historically ever in the league. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with his technical ability. Yeah, I think um, I'm a huge fan of holding mids, and I, I feel like they are worth their weight in gold, and they maybe don't get as much attention because it's always on the tens, it's always on the attackers, but really none of that usually happens unless you have some central midfielders that are willing to sort of do those other things. We used to talk about this. Like, you could talk about guys in their prime, to your point, that haven't left this league, right? You could talk about um, Ozzy Alonso, right? Another one of the greats, never left this league. Diego Chara, who has never left this league. Like these guys that for some reason have stayed here and they found a way to win pretty much everywhere they go. And um, you can give them the ball and they're just never going to lose it. I mean, that's kind of worth a lot in soccer. It really is. Yeah, it really is. So, and I, and then I'm really excited about Kucho. He is one of the better yes. kind of offensive players in the league tomorrow. I think, um, he, he's really taken the league and, and created an identity for Columbus, particularly with Zellerad leaving. He, he really has stepped up and shown a, a, an amazing competitiveness. So, and then I, I also love the American side of, of the game tomorrow. I, I think sneakily Morris has shown he's one of the better center midfielders in this league. And it's, it's nice to see an American player kind of having that kind of impact. And then certainly I think the X factor uh, for LAFC has to be Holland's. Back. I mean, this yes. guy has, scored so many big goals from an outside back position over his career. Obviously he used to be a forward when he was in college, but like he is sneakily, you know, so important for that team. He, he pops up, he it provides offense. He's got the experience to keep his shape defensively. Um, and again, I don't think he always keeps it great, but at the same time, uh, he allows another outlet of them to find offense uh, outside of Bowanga. 
I know he was a foreign. Bella, player, I got to be careful there. I can't ignore one of the greatest Mexican players of all time. Uh, he certainly will be on the field making an impact as well. I know. Isn't that kind of funny that you can go most of the conversation and hardly mention him? I mean, it's like one of those. That's why I think this game is is going to be so fantastic is because you can talk about just about every aspect of the field and not even mention some people that normally are getting the limelight. But, you know, back to your point about Hollingshead, I know he was a forward. It's been some time. But when he makes those runs and gets at an angle where he can shoot, I mean, his technique, there's no hesitation. There's 100% confidence. Like, this thing is going to be on frame. He's a real threat as opposed to some outside backs that are more making the overlapping runs, making the runs to get to the end line, not cutting in as much. They're more focused on service. I feel like he's a real like wild card for this LAFC team if others are getting shut down. Oh, yeah. No, I like I, I just mentioned a second ago, I, I think he 100% is. I think that's one of the nice things about the game tomorrow is there's so many battles within the battles. And and again, I, I, I like to see the battles uh, with like kind of unknown American guys who've done really well, like Holland said, or up and coming like Morris, who I think is really showing that he can be a top center midfielder in the league. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I know he's been called into some camps, but it's, it's a tough midfield for the men's national team to crack into right now, but you never know. I think he has an option to go to Canada too, if I remember that correctly. Am I, or am I getting somebody mixed up? It's so hard when there's all these names flying around in my brain. <laughs> I love that they're flying around your brain. I'm not sure about that. To look. <laughs> but I, I certainly, like I said, yeah, we have some great you know players in Europe in the center midfield, but that doesn't mean that he can't pop over the next couple of years because he certainly played really well this year. And he's still so young, so... But le- leading on to that point, I want to get your, first of all, your prediction. Who's winning tomorrow? What do we got? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you can't expect to preview the final, which is at 3 p.m. Yeah. Central. No, no, no. I, I've, I've, got, for a score. I've got Columbus. I've got Columbus. Mm. So, yeah. You have a score? Uh, 3-1. Wow. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like, I just hope it's a great game. That's all we can really hope for at this point. When you're like an innocent bystander and you don't have a horse in the race, you know, it's just kind of fun to see a great game. We had the whole family over to watch all the games last Saturday because there were so many in a row. You had the women's national team, IU, which lost to Notre Dame in the in the tournament in the Elite Eight for the men. And then we watched the two uh, conference finals and it was just crazy. And then we ended with a parent versus child game, soccer <laughs> game, which nobody got hurt, which is the most important thing. <laughs> Like it, like it, like the tradition. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, Hey, so let's move on a little bit. When we're focusing on American players, we're focusing on the league. And when you just mentioned it, Minnesota United and the Academy. I mean, we have done so many podcasts about the strides that this club is making in developing the Academy, increasing, you know, the popularity, the quality, being able to go all over the country and compete at, at these different tournaments and different things. What can you say about where the Academy is at right now? And I know they're at this MLS Next Fest in Phoenix as we speak. I think it's running the 5th through the 10th in Phoenix, Arizona. So they're probably wrapping up their week and weekend here. But what can you say about the Academy and, and going to a place like that to kind of see how they fare? And what does that mean for this group going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, particularly Minnesotans, when we travel because we live on an island, it's important for us to see. And 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 really, we're not going there to say we're going to get better in this week of, of games, but we're going there to see where our level is, see what we're doing, how we're doing things. And um, I think the kids have been great. You know, I, I have had meetings, so I've been able to watch a lot of the games, but I think we're heading in a very good direction. Um, I would say a glass half full direction in terms of uh, Minnesota soccer and closing this pathway with our second team now with the academy really gaining steam in terms of pride in terms of just 
allowing the club now to really think about what's our next identity, how we're going to do things. Um, so my glass half full is massive. It's there. It's exciting. And I don't, I don't want to say it's a glass half full empty, but I would say we have now the opportunity to really get excited about as Minnesotans, not just Minnesota United, and think about how are we developing from five to 10, from 10 to 15? How are we interacting in the community and getting people excited? How are we getting soccer for all? Um, those are areas where we're still in the fledgling stages, if I'm being honest. We have great soccer history. We have great stories about from high school and we have college and we have um, people all over this great state that have put time and energy for decades into it. Um, we, we just need to now really kind of take all that information and be a little bit more concise about what's the intentionality of getting the kids ready for coming into our academy. And I'm looking excited about that because that that's not just us. That's us saying, hey, let's partner community. Let's think about what's the next iteration of, of building the player pool, building the level, because we know the rest of the country right now is doing that probably better than us. Um, and again, we're not blaming the rest of the community. We're saying, hey, this is our normal trajectory. We're maybe behind in some ways. But in some cool ways, because we are Minnesota, because we're an island, we think we can get ahead of them. We can be better than them because we can almost partner better with our community as opposed to be competitors like I feel like some of the other communities are. And, and there's some pros and cons about being competitors because being competitive pushes each each everybody to do well. I think in Minnesota, we have to create our own internal competition a little bit more uh, to get there. But that gets me excited. That gets into the point of development on a bigger level um that gets in a point of like what's the next phase of mls in terms of how we're going to be competitive around the world and there's no doubt if we don't embrace getting better at developing our national internal talent uh we will not be one of the best teams in the world so it's not all about money and and buying players it's gonna have to come down to us also embracing that we can develop great coaches who can develop and coach great young players become great international players. And on that note, and sort of trying to grow the game and be all inclusive and making sure that you get the word out, there's a combine coming up, right? A combine style, I should say, tryout for Minnesota United, for MNUFC2 and the Academy. In January, I believe the sign-up deadline is December 15th, which is right around the corner. I can't believe it's next week already. MNUFC.com slash camps, if you want to try out for that, if you want to sign up to try out and register. What does that do to be able to reach more people, to include more people, to because you can't see everybody all the time. You do, you have a massive, incredible network of coaches. You reach out to clubs, but in general, to get more talent, to hope someone just shows up that you didn't even know about. What does that do for this club and for the future of soccer when you have something like that, a combine style tryout? Oh, I love combines because I, I think I just mentioned like macro planning of one, yes. three, five, ten years of what Minnesota soccer could look like and really kind of building into that. Um, the combine specifically is is the awesome dream. Like I think every kid, and by the way, we don't met its first team as well. Emmanuel Iwe went to our combine and signed right. a first team contract. So to me, uh, the dream of the combine is not second team. It's everything. It's the it's the professional contract that could be a first team or second team contract. So I, I love the fact that when we do combines, you're finding people who are showing what you want in terms of hunger, dedication, wanting something in their life that they've been striving for. So um, it's a big combine for us because we have a lot of, of work in the college space. We have a lot of work in the second team space we're trying to do. We have a lot of work in our first team roster build where we're trying to make a lot of moves to get younger and trying to find uh, not just the college part, but it might be the college game. 
uh, it might come from somewhere unexpected uh, from foreigners coming in to go to the combine. So it's always just a great event. And like I said, we, we've found success in the past uh, finding talent. We're, we're, I think our staff's always excited to run it and see if we can find some talent for the roster. Yeah, it's January 9th and 10th. Um, the, as I said, the sign-up deadline, the registration deadline by the 15th. And I, I think it says on here that the applicants will receive a decision by the 22nd. Is that to know that if you qualify to join the combine, is that what that means when it says you'll receive a decision? I would assume you put in your information, you have to hit certain barometers. I'm sure one is you have to be 16 years old. We should put that out there. But um, in general, I think it's funny because even talking within my own family and now that the kids, some of these nephews are getting older and I have my sister-in-law saying like, tell me more about the Academy. What age does that start at? How can, how can they try out? Should they do that instead of their club team? I mean, there's a lot of questions out there within these club teams and there's so many different, I can't even keep track of the leagues in Minnesota. I mean, we used to have like one league and now there's like two or three leagues and ECNL and everything else. So what, what, what would make someone want to come and try out and do this combine instead of be at their club team? Why, why should someone want to try that? Sure. So uh, real quick to, to, to clarify the, the, yes. the, the, the combine really is for future professionals that are right on the cusp of becoming professionals. So this okay. is not youth soccer. This isn't yes. kids who are trying out for our Academy. Yep. These are kids who are looking for professional contracts that have maybe been overlooked going to college or are in college or finishing college that want to start a pro career. Okay. Um, so this is very much specifically nothing to do with youth soccer in Minnesota and the ECNL, which is more of a girl soccer thing as opposed to that. So just want to make sure that that's clarified. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of the, 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 the Academy, our goal is, is to be the top of the pyramid for boys, youth soccer. And really the way I look at it is we're excited to help partner with clubs to say like, listen, a lot of kids may or may not be the right time for them. We want to find their channel to be successful. Um, I would tell anybody that thinks they're at the level for our academies, they should get in there and show us because we will just elevate them not only to us, but to a national and global level that they could pop to, to have to change their life, become a professional. So I encourage any family member, anybody believes their kid is good enough, they should think that and try that. Our goal then would be to assess that and hopefully get them in. And if not, make sure we put them at the level that'll help them at that moment in their their youth development phase to really pop, to hopefully get back to our level or even beyond it. So again, for me, um, obviously, it's, it's, it's always a chance of a lifetime to get in a pro player pathway because it, it sets you up potentially for college, for pro, uh, for you being the best soccer version of yourself, there's no doubt. So our goal is to find and open it up to every single person in Minnesota. And frankly, even around the country, uh, we also recruit nationally. So it's so important that people know uh, that we want them in the academy. We want them to, to be the best version of themselves, to, to give them the best chance to become the professional soccer player they could be. Is there a better salesman for Minnesota soccer than you? <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm still- I mean, come I'm, on, you lived every level of it. I do, but I, I like I said, I I'm I I think we've got to roll up our I'm sleeves. I'm saying that in a positive way. I'm not saying no, you're like spinning it, it like no, a salesperson. It. I'm saying like you I, you lived it. I I do want to tell the fans that we I love that part of it, but we have a big next phase here to really roll up our sleeves and talk about how we're going to increase the quality player pool uh, of development between five and twelve, and and that's not something we we honestly can do on our own. We we need to partner with the community more. Um, we need to build that player pool because um, there is a lot of money going to the top end at our first team and now our second team. 
and now just at the top end of, of the U16, U18 Academy kids. So we really now need to think about how are we as a community going to kind of use whatever resources we have, whatever resources the community has to maximize it and to really take pride in, in pushing the development process. So um, that's where I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I, I, this isn't on the rundown, but I'm going to throw it out there at you anyways, but you, you just mentioned getting high level players, high level, high level level coaches, the development, pushing it. How difficult is it to find high level quality coaches? And that's not a knock on coaches. I mean, but there's a lot of education that goes involved. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into being a high level coach these days. It's not just anybody showing up. So how hard is it with the amount of academies and teams across the country now to find high level quality coaches to be able to, you know, foster this uh, quality you're talking about? Well, I would say, you know, we're putting a lot of money in a great way at, at the higher, at the older age groups. You know, we got the 15 to 18. I think we're really doing a great job of kind of assessing and and building pathways and talent coaching and, and really evolving very quickly in terms of trying to take best practice of the rest of the world, take best practice of MLS, and then put that even into our high level coaches who are amazingly accredited coaches within our academy. Um, where I would say it's, it needs to be picked up in Minnesota. Again, I'm putting my hand up. We got to be a part of helping these clubs get there is from five to nine. And I'm, I mean, I, I don't mind parent volunteerism. We need that, yeah. but we need that done in a way that gets kids to fall in love with soccer, that gets them technically proficient, that gets the club on their own pathway. And then from nine to 12 or 14, we need to get people excited about actually be taking pride in coaching those age groups. Those are hard age groups to coach. They're not easy. And again, I'm not at all saying the clubs aren't doing the best they can. I just think we all can now talk about maybe being a little more intentional about how we do that together. Um, and we, we've seen some great uh, ideation in, in Iceland. We did a really good job over a 10-year model uh, about about 15 years ago. So um, I, I think it's just part of that, like, getting excited about it. And I, I, I'll, I'll change the segue for you <laughs> with – this weekend was a huge moment. San Olaf winning the championship. Yes. And, you know, that is a the first ever D3 men's soccer championship. And those are all kids. My son is a sophomore and plays at Duke. And yep. a lot of his teammates were on that team. And he played with them from 9 to 19. And so we are doing a lot of good things. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot. That's That, to me, is an example of some of the good parts of youth soccer. And a lot of those kids uh, played youth soccer in Minnesota. So to me, it's... It's just even pushing that level a bit higher. But what a great accomplishment this weekend. Yeah, I love to see that. I loved. I saw it all over Twitter, and it was fun to see the St. Olaf men um, win the national championship for the D3. And then we hear so much about St. Thomas and what they're doing there. So I think the more like you can um, focus on, because we don't have a – we because the University of Minnesota, let's say, for example, right, has never had a men's program, like right in our own backyard, like right there. So I think when you can – Talk about St. Thomas and what they're doing now in St. Olaf. I think that um, elevating and how fun. I mean, was your son just pumped to see some of his club teammates who he spent his pretty much his whole life with, right? Um, get to that level and accomplish that. They beat Amherst in overtime. That was a good one. Oh yeah, I mean it was awesome. I mean I I, I I've got he's got some posters in his room, <laughs> his childhood room that have pictures of these kids that like 10, 11, and 12, which are so awesome. But it 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 is a great example of when I say uh, that we have to remind ourselves we are doing good things and there are really good people pushing development and pushing it. And um, I think the uh, the pride of St. Olaf and, and what they've done, I think for Minnesota soccer over the weekend is really important. Like I said, when you leave the island and, and we learn where we are, 
that's a great level to know that at the D3 level, we're really creating some great players. And I think uh, you mentioned St. Thomas. They're so excited and just starting their program. And I know they're excited to, to show now that we can develop D1 players. Uh, but it also tells you that we're still not quite developing a lot of D1 players, but that's okay. Let's take that as a challenge. I mean, I, I look at it the same thing in the first team. Let's take the adversity of, of what's going to happen in the next four years in terms of how are we going to compete in MLS in a, in a ever-growing, ever kind of evolving investment league. Uh, it's same in here for Minnesota with this space. So um, I think St. Olaf has really, I think, given a level of pride back. And I, I think that'll push St. Thomas to get excited about competing next year and growing into being uh, even a, a bigger kind of plot power player in D1 men's soccer. So certainly um, a good weekend, I think, for Minnesota soccer with their result. Okay. And I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. And last but certainly not least, power soccer all-star game. Oh. You were there. I mean, you talk about having like pride in what you're doing in this state and in athletes and what they're accomplishing. What was that like for you to be a part of that and to witness that and just the quality and the energy around that? Uh, I Let's start with the kids. Unbelievable. Like, no, they're, they are unbelievable athletes. They're, they're, they are um, so skilled. They see the game. They see the, the patterns. They see the, the passes, they, they move, they, they're, it, it's hard to explain, but they understand the chess match along with the physical mental toughness that soccer kind of creates and just watching it live was, was truly inspiring. Um, and then just meeting the families who are committed and, and understand how awesome of athletes these kids are and, and support them. And then it just gets extended to uh, the community people, our club people that went to this, uh, these the, the 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 corporate sponsors and the people that like are involved in a lineup and their commitment now to understanding how how amazing this is it, it really uh is please go check it out online please hopefully when we, we we have a couple events that we do throughout the year their their season is winding down but they'll have another season coming up again and it, it is awesome i mean all of it the machines are amazing but the the, the kids ability to really uh adapt and play competitively is is something I've never seen before. It literally makes me get emotional just hearing it because you think about, um, and I, I, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I, they don't like to focus on what they can't do. All they focus is on is what they can do and what they've accomplished and what they've overcome. And like their, their spirit, their energy, their vibe, like the smiles on their faces, the parents like beaming with pride. Like, I just feel like those are, it kind of just, you know, brings it all full circle and sort of puts a bow on it when you're like, this is what it's all about, right? I mean, you talk about being all-inclusive, soccer for all, diversity. I mean, we 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 kind of skip over that segment oftentimes. And I just I just love to see it. I saw the highlights, I've seen the footage. I mean, it's it's so cool. And I love that it was right here in our own backyard at Brooklyn Center High School. And what what a day that must have been. Awesome day. I, I'll just remind you, I, I every time I do the, these things, I learn, I learn some more, and, and you are totally correct. And I think the sentiment of um, what a great program it is, and it's going to be hopefully, and these kids are part of our, our community and they're part of our club. So they they wear the badge, they are part of us. But the the mentality of winning, taking some elements of that and making sure we remind ourselves where we are in terms of our first team, our second team, our academy, uh, there's some elements there that we really need to embrace and, and and see and take into 
all the areas of the club we're trying to do it. Although hopefully it resonates with our front office, everything. They they are such winners and have such a winning mentality of hunger to win uh, that it's it's truly inspiring. If you haven't been, I recommend that you go very much like when we do the Special Olympics. Same kind. I mean, you you can't replace those kinds of smiles, the unified team, um, any kind of activity like that. Like it's it's just I don't know. I just think it, it's it's fabulous when um, the team and the club gets out there and supports that, which I know you do often. But everybody should do it at least once um, and be yeah. a part of it because it's just it's, fantastic. And it's a great reminder um, of that this is sports. That this yeah. is what we we're doing. We're we're all involved in this because of what happens on these field different fields and what people do. And that's why it's awesome. You know, and again, I, I think um, we, we talk about the goals of the club and we talk about how we're, we're trying to create and build our identity, what we're doing. And we're doing it because we love to try to, to have that feeling on the on the on the field and what we're doing. And it's just so cool to see that the different elements where the academy kids obviously unified in power soccer. It's just a, a very special time for soccer, I think, in Minnesota. Totally agree. I can't wait to uh, chat with I was going to say with you next week. But I don't know if it will be. Yeah. I don't who, who knows, right? No, but it'll, it'll be a good final tomorrow, though. It'll be fun to yes. uh, watch the final. And again, for us to be hungry, we're excited for next year. We're excited to to build out and a lot of planning going on, a lot of hunger and positivity to, to improve from last year. And I think there's exciting stuff ahead for the club, uh, starting with preseason next year. I can't believe it. I mean, the, the Coachella announcement already came out. Like you're already, you know, it's like, it's going to be here before we know you throw the holidays in the mix. You got the MLS cup final tomorrow at three o'clock central time. And it's like, before you know it, it's January 1st guys are back reporting things get rolling in February with competitions. And then we're off and running with 2024. So it'll go, it'll be fast and furious. We'll be drinking from a fire hose, but it'll all be, all be good things. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Well, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, man. Likewise. Um, Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to record or somehow the final. My daughter's at um, Conway tomorrow for Uh-oh. a winter fest. Uh-oh. I know at 255 is their first game. Apparently they didn't look at the MLS cup schedule and, and realize that, you know, we'll all be in there trying to watch on our phones and watch our children. I don't know if that's acceptable, but we'll see what happens. All right. Like it. Thank you, Kendra. All right. Thanks. Have a great day, Manny. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Sound of the Loons. We will talk to you again next week. Talk all things Minnesota United. And of course, we'll probably recap the MLS Cup final, which is Saturday, December 9th at 3 p.m. Central.